Hi, everybody. I'm Dustin. I'm Anna. And we are not qualified to investigate the paranormal. And we may be less qualified than an anthropologist. Okay. Hi. Hi. And welcome back, everybody. You may notice the sound is either better or worse. I really don't know because I'm done trying at this point. It's a work in progress. It's just us here, people. Yeah, it's just us. We don't have a team. We don't have amazing audio engineers. It's us. No. With a couple of microphones. If you can't hear us, turn us up. Get better headphones. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is pretty common for podcasts in their first several episodes. I wouldn't know. I don't listen to podcasts. I think they're useless. (laughs) Lies. (laughs) All lies. Yeah. And it really is mostly just you. I, I just show up and listen and talk. So you do all the behind the scenes stuff. I do, but there is something that you started doing recently. Yeah. You want to share that real quick? Yeah, I'm so hip. I'm running our Instagram. <laughs> Which I'm so hip. I'm running our Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Come on down to Granny Anna's Instagram. I meant that exactly how it sounded because I'm not great at it. I'll get better. Good better. Do you want to give them our Instagram handles so oh, they know where uh, to go to look at this disaster uh, of an Instagram page? We are. It's the handle is at paranormal.outsiders, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. That sounds right. I don't know. You tell me. Oh my You're even running it. Yeah, I think so. I don't okay. look at my own handle. I don't even know my personal handle that well. <sighs> we'll put the thing in the show notes. Yeah. We'll know where it's at. <laughs> yeah. I'll put a picture of our subject for tonight. Yes. And speaking of the subject of tonight, Last week, we talked about a place we used to live. This week, we're going to be talking about a place we do live. And used to live. And- <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those of you who are listening in, obviously, you know that we are going to be talking about the Florida skunk ape. Anna knows that too, but just I'm just getting it out there. I'm just getting out there early. I'm done tantalizing. I'm done dangling. Yeah. No more teasing of the subject. Get right to it, right? Not going to waste any more time. Yeah, we're talking about the Florida skunk ape today. And we're going to get into a definition of what that means, for those of you who don't know. But most of you probably already know, because it's really based upon another cryptid. We haven't talked about a cryptid since, I think, the Beast of Bray Road in Wisconsin when we went on-site to investigate. Yeah, was that before or after shapeshifters? I don't remember. <laughs> but, you know, the thing about the Beast of Bray Road is that we drove to Bray Road, which is only about 45 minutes from where we hang out when we are in the Midwest. Yeah. Here we're talking about the Florida skunk ape. The Florida skunk ape has been spotted throughout Florida and all the way up through Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia. Oh. It's not just the Florida skunk ape. It's it's the southern skunk ape, if you will. That. Yeah. Wow. I actually have a video of one from Mississippi that we'll see in a little bit. But my point here is, is that we don't have to go drive somewhere. We don't have to get gear together, get ready to go. The skunk ape could appear outside of our door. We could have, at any point in our lives, having grown up in Florida, seen it. Sure. I mean... I never heard about it until recently. Yeah. But yeah. I know. I did not grow up with legends of the Florida skunk ape. No, neither did I. And uh, But my point here is is that we are very close. We're, we live basically on one of the borders of the Apalachicola National Forest, right? Some people call it Apalachicola. I have heard that. Apalachicola. Apalachicola. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's just the southern mispronunciation of... So, meaning that we could be talking about this cryptid 
and it can just appear outside of our door and it might ask to come in and have a beer. I don't know. Mm, so if our dog barks, that's probably what it is, right? Yeah. By the way, we are recording in a new room. Our dog is sitting here currently sleeping peacefully. However, if she does hear a leaf fall outside, she will start barking because that is just what she does. Yeah. That's what you get with paranormal outsiders. That's right. <laughs> Weird. You get dogs barking for no reason. <laughs> so I have a story to tell you. This is the most recent story I could find that had heavy coverage that was something I would say would be more substantial than the current recent quote-unquote sightings, and I'll get into that in a second, but this is a story about the most recent sighting I could find that has some physical evidence, that has some video evidence, and that had multiple witnesses, wow. and that was reported on. That's... A heavy hitter. Okay, tell me a story. In the lush, verdant expanse of Mayaka River State Park, the air was thick with the mysteries of the Florida wilds. I grew up in Florida, and the air is constantly thick with the mysteries of the Florida wilds. But The sure. air is thick with humidity. Yeah. That's what it's thick with. Yeah, but I love it. It was here amidst the dense foliage and the whispering winds that Mike Falconer, a 45-year-old resident of Mayaka, Sarasota County, and his young son found themselves on an afternoon that would etch itself into local legend. I like saying etch itself a lot in these things. I didn't even notice that. Mike, known in his community for his love of the outdoors and his participation in sport truck pull competitions, that's right folks, we're in Florida, was driving through the park. His son, an eager and adventurous spirit, sat beside him, their eyes scanning the landscapes, a canvas of nature's untamed beauty. The sun hung low in the sky, casting long shadows and painting the surroundings in a golden hue. Which, if you've ever been in Florida, sunsets are absolutely gorgeous. As they traversed the winding roads, something unusual caught Mike's eye. There, in a clearing, was a figure. Unlike anything he had ever seen, it was large, its presence commanding and it seemed to be covered in thick fur. Mike's heart raced with a mix of curiosity and caution. He slowed the truck, whispering to his son, who looked on with wide-eyed wonder. He doesn't say what he whispered, but he was whispering, trust me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they stepped out of the truck, their feet crunching on the underbrush. The figure, momentarily still, suddenly moved with surprising agility. Mike and his son, driven by a mixture of fear and fascination, began to chase the creature, hoping to unravel the mystery that unfolded before them. The figure was elusive, darting through the trees with a grace that belied its size. As they followed, the air was filled with a peculiar odor, pungent and unmistakable. It was then that Mike realized that they were chasing the legendary skunk ape, a creature spoken of in hushed tones and etched into the folklore of Florida. He realized it, it, a combination of all those things. I think it was the smell. The smell. That was like the last check in the box. Okay. Their pursuit was a blur of green and brown. The sound of the forest amplifying their heightened senses. The skunk ape moved with an otherworldly ease, almost as if leading them on a dance through its domain. Mike's son, a mix of excitement and awe, followed his father's lead. Their bond strengthened by the shared quest into the unknown. As quickly as it had appeared, the skunk ape vanished, melting into the shadows of the forest. Mike and his son, breathless and exhilarated, stood in the silence of the woods, the echoes of their adventures lingering in the air. They returned to their truck, the image of the skunk ape imprinted on their minds, 
a story that would soon captivate the imaginations of many. Mike's encounter went viral, donning the attention of Bigfoot enthusiasts and skeptics alike. His video, a shaky but compelling testament to their experience, garnered thousands of views, each viewer drawn into the mystery of the Mayaka skunk ape. As they drove home, the sun setting behind them, Mike and his son knew they had experienced something extraordinary, a moment where myth and reality intertwined, leaving them with a tale that would be told and retold, a part of the enigmatic tapestry of Florida's skunk ape lore. Would you like to see the video that Mike took? I, sir, I surely would. <laughs> this was March 2nd, 2013. By the way, for all those uh, those of you listening, feel free to pause right here, take a look at the show notes, and I have this link in there. There is some funny carnival music playing in the background. This is very clearly Florida, or it's it looks... It, it's definitely like a marshy land consistent with much of florida did you it's daytime they're talking about it being there but you can't really see it that well yet but he pans over oh there's a whole line of cars a whole yeah. bunch of other people yeah yep. a whole bunch of other well curious about what this is um i don't see anything out in the grass yet the bird just flew by two of them your story was modified a little bit with that I don't remember you saying two. No, because I don't think I think when they get up there, they don't see two. Okay. Oh, okay. You can kind of see. You see something moving? Yeah, I saw some pop its head up right there. Okay, so it says they only had their phones or for videos, so they decided to get closer. So they're kind of walking up from the side of the road. Now they're out in the marsh. It's him and his son. Area. Right. And something black in the distance or dark. I can't tell if it's moving because the camera's moving. Oh, that looked like a bird fluttering. No, okay, that oh, looked like birds. another yeah. two birds fluttering around each other. So the marsh grasses can get really high, like hip height. So now we're looking at screen, like still from images from our iPhones. Now we're getting into zoomed in ver versions of it, and it's like Bigfoot quality grainy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just a black animal. I don't know, black figure in the distance. If you go back, can you go back? Yeah. To the farthest away, like still image that they showed the circles. That's a good place to pause, because that and that you can maybe estimate how tall it. Is. Yeah, because the grass is pretty tall, and he's at least, I mean, that's pretty tall above the grass. The thing is, the grass height can vary a mm -hmm. lot. It's not like the plains, the Midwest, or like a, a cultivated field where there's standard grass height or growth height. These marshlands can have patches where there's no grass, right? Where you get a clearer shot right next to patches where there is a lot of grass. Yeah, what a lot of people don't realize about Florida is that it is one of the biggest beef-producing states. So usually these big marshlands and fields have cows in them yeah. or have some kind of, you know, livestock. Yeah. It's kind of useless to just have marshland. So people try to capitalize on whatever they have by putting cows in there. So especially in Sarasota, there's a lot of ranches, cattle yards, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Especially in the outskirts like this looks like it is. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so our, my generous guess of how tall it looks to be maybe, maybe five feet at the tallest. Okay. It does not look like a tall man, but it is narrow. It looks fairly bipedal. It could be. Is the Florida skunk ape supposed to be taller? I don't recall much how about i read you, you a definition a description 
I don't even know if I would go so far to call it a definition. I mean, a okay, no, but there is description. There is a description. Okay. okay, here we go. The skunk ape, often referred to in the folklore of the southeastern United States, particularly in Florida, is a cryptid similar to the more famous Bigfoot or Sasquatch. This creature is typically described as a bipedal primate standing approximately six to seven feet tall with a strong, unpleasant odor, hence the name skunk ape. Its fur is usually reported as being dark and shaggy. The skunk ape is said to inhabit the swamps and dense forests of the region, with most sightings reported in Florida, although there have been claims of encounters in other southeastern states. The lore surrounding the skunk ape is a blend of anecdotal sightings, folklore, and, at times, hoaxes making it a subject of both intrigue and skepticism. The most recently reported sighting of the skunk ape was in March 2023. This report mentioned residents hearing possible Bigfoot sounds at night, approximately 25 miles north of Pensacola. Prior to this, in December 2022, there was a report of possible howls coming from Chito Nature Preserve, located 20 miles southeast of Tampa. These reports contribute to the ongoing series of skunk ape sightings and experiences that continue to intrigue both locals and enthusiasts nationwide. As with other similar cryptids, there is no scientific evidence to confirm the existence of the skunk ape. Sightings and reports are often considered to be misidentifications of wildlife, hoaxes, or folklore. Despite this, the skunk ape remains a popular and enduring aspect of regional culture and folklore, inspiring research, storytelling, and even tourist attractions. So, that is what the skunk ape is supposed to be. Hmm. It's taller than I would have me too. And I think you can probably guess as to why I didn't include the most recent sightings. They're garbage pictures? No. <laughs> oh, what? They weren't pictures at all. Oh. They were sounds. Oh. People okay. said they heard Bigfoot-like sounds. <laughs> I've got to be honest. I don't know what that is. <laughs> no, there's no standard. Okay, so to describe a cryptid with references to other cryptids right. is not especially helpful. Everybody knows who Bigfoot is. Yeah, but I don't know what Bigfoot sounds like. There's no... That's the thing. Are they yeah, talking about like... Harry and... They saw Harry and the Hendersons one time. Right, right. Have they seen another Bigfoot and right. watched it make a call and are like, oh, that's the thing. Yeah. Does it sound like an ape? Or does it right. sound like a skunk? Or does it sound like... <laughs> well, the skunk only refers to the sound, or the uh, smell. Uh-huh. But anyway. Skunky ape. I, I think you and I have a lot to talk about here we because do. we grew up in Florida and there are lots of things about this that we can address just quote unquote native Floridians. So it could be a Florida panther. It could be a... A bear. Bear. We've we got bears. have black bears in Florida. And when I see this, that's kind of what I was thinking. And that's what I figured everybody else would think it was. Is right. Like, oh, it's a Florida black bear. Right. But they didn't. No. They were like, oh, what is it? It's weird. It's like standing on two... Like hind legs that bears do that. Bears can do yeah. that. Yeah. I don't know enough about bear behavior. And this is where a zoologist, this is where like they, if we go, if you wanted to go into broader, as we usually do toward the end of the episode, the broader categories of this, we have cryptozoologists and zoologists and biologists. And I don't know how often cryptozoologists refer to or collaborate with zoologists and biologists. I don't, I don't know either. What defines a cryptid? Uh, a cryptid, I think, is a creature that currently doesn't have, is only known in folklore and doesn't have a scientific definition, meaning it doesn't have the kingdom phylum. It hasn't been officially discovered or acknowledged right. maybe no, by the scientists. Maybe no DNA has been collected of it. Yeah, I don't know how you, yeah. So then there's a whole, like, zoologist and biologist who discover new species. 
Right. And you said that definition of crypt, it's described in folklore. So it's very unique to anthropological right. studies. And I think people. an important thing to say is that a biologist or zoologist who's out there trying to discover a new species, like if they discover a new type of caterpillar, it's not like, oh, they found a cryptid and now it's no longer a cryptid. No, because that caterpillar probably wasn't like the screaming banshee caterpillar of Mount Zudu. You know what I mean? <laughs> it wasn't something that was talked about. So therefore, it's not a cryptid. It's just a new species that they found. Yeah. Whereas this, and, and we'll get into this too, because there's actually academic stuff going on here. <laughs> there is one researcher who has kind of dedicated a lot of his career to looking for primates that are kind of the missing link idea, where they're not quite human, but they're not really monkeys. So what are they? You know, like, so they're intelligent, but anyway. Oh, I so, want to hear about that. Yeah, we are going to talk about that next. But I do have a couple of more YouTube videos to show you okay. if you'd like to see some more stuff. So I have the guy in Mississippi I'd like to show you. So for those of you listening, if you want to look at the video from the guy in Mississippi, I think it's going to label it as Mississippi sighting. Go ahead and take a look at that and we're going to watch. So this is a little denser forest now with what that. Okay, so it looks like we're, I don't know, what would you say, 10 yards? It's pretty close. It's really close. Some trees obscuring it. It does look like it, it's got a very long arm reaching. It looks like a chimpanzee. Yeah. So he was saying he got so scared that he accidentally stopped recording and then realized it and started recording again. So in, it like looks like it's a got, tree. Yeah, it's, yeah. It looks, I would imagine like a chimpanzee holding one arm up, like kind of sort of hanging loosely, you know, feet still on the ground from one from a tree. But it's like we're behind it. It's backs to us. It's we can't see a face. It's really good quality video too. You it's, can tell it's like four. 4K that he's recording in, but... No, I was mistaking its arm. No, that wasn't an arm. Okay, unless there are two of them. But I'm primed to think ape right now, or, or right. chimp or something in that family, but it still could be like a bear a bear sitting on the ground. Now it's like standing. Oh, then he runs away. Yep. Stood up. He got so scared. Yep. I can see getting scared. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it looked like it was sitting 60 feet from a chimpanzee that's sitting, and then it stands up and is much taller than you expect. Yeah. But I don't know about seven, six or seven feet tall. It's hard to tell. Yeah. He's standing on a tree ripping it looks like he's ripping into the tree it's a rotting tree so yeah primates are known to you know it's one of the things they're known to use tools they'll take a stick yeah they'll stick it into a, a rotting log and then when the insects crawl yeah. on it they'll pull it out and then that's what tools yeah. they use yeah that's, so uh -huh. totally a thing that we, yeah. we still couldn't see what it was doing with its front arms or hands or paws but it did look like it was doing it was working on something yeah um i do have one more video to show you I have a question uh, for you. How tall yeah. would you estimate the creature was in that video once it stood up? Probably five to six feet, probably yeah. not six to seven feet. No. But when people are scared, yeah. I mean, it's not unbelievable for them to overestimate by foot. Right. Plus, you know, primates have longer limbs. Mm -hmm. And so that makes them kind of appear longer in our yes. brains. One of the most prolific pieces of evidence that kind of floats around in this case is actually, uh, let me see if I can find it. I didn't include it in here because it's been debunked already, but I guess I should put it in here. Let me see, this one. Yeah, so this I've was taken. This yeah, this one was taken by a woman. She kept hearing something outside her front door and they took a picture of it. I'll, I'll put the link to this in the show notes, but this has already been debunked. It ended up being an escaped orangutan. It looks like an orangutan. Yeah. It, if you imagine a black orangutan, with a gray beard, and I don't know what, maybe there are some species of orangutan that turn these colors as they get older, or maybe the color of the photo. Oh, they're primates. I'm sure their hair turns gray. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that just, yeah. I mean, I mean but dark, if they live like the enough. orange to dark, or they're not right. all orange. I, mean, I think there are multiple species. But anyway, this image is just a few feet away. Right. And she took it, and its eyes, obviously, they uh, they have those 
things that reflect the light in the back of the of their eyes. So it yeah. looks like red eyes, glowing eyes, you know. But if you look at it, it's it's just the picture. You can tell it's an orangutan, I uh-huh. think. But anyway, experts have actually looked at this and said, no, that's an orangutan. Yeah. And this was a picture that was also taken in Sarasota County, not by the Sarasota County Sheriff's Office, but it was provided by the Sarasota County Sheriff's Office. Okay, so the first video and then this photo, both in Sarasota right. area. And then what about the second one? Mississippi. Oh, he said that. Okay. Yeah, he was a hunter. Uh-huh. So you saw like he had camo on and everything. Uh-huh. And that's another thing, you know, we talked a little bit about that today. Someone who's hunting, you know, they're in a specific mindset to be wary of their surroundings, to be yeah. listening for like all kinds of little sounds and everything, and also to perceive threats, right? Yeah. Especially in Florida, and I'm sure in Mississippi, we have all kinds of invasive species, but we have some non-invasive species that are dangerous, right? So we have water moccasins, we have all kinds of spiders that are really poisonous. If you get stung or bit while we one of those when you're out in the middle of nowhere, you're in, you're in trouble. Yeah. But we also have invasive species like hawks. Yes. Um, oh, we also have alligators, and that, those are very dangerous as well. But we have uh, invasive species like wild hogs, and they're incredibly dangerous because if you get near their young, they'll bore you. Yeah. It's not, you know, nothing to, to dismiss in your minds. But anyway, so we have all these really dangerous things, especially when you're out hunting. And plus, you're also hunting, so you are a dangerous thing. Yes. And I think, you know, on some subconscious levels, humans were still aware of that. Most hunters I know are very conscious of what they're doing, mm-hmm. and they have a great respect for nature and a great respect for what they're doing. They want to practice so that they hit the animal in the heart. As gruesome as some of you might think that is, in a way, it's also very humane because they want to make sure they're not hurting the animal any more than they have to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which some of you would say, well, they don't have to hurt the animal at all because they don't have to go hunting, but it's it's something that is, you know, peaceful to them or meditative to them or whatever, right? Uh-huh. Um, so they go and do it. Anyway, so yeah, they're already- the quality kind of, of hunting. Yes. They're already kind of, yeah. And it, it there's, there's like a primal thing about it, right? Anyway, so there's a lot of stuff going on in a hunter's mind. And when they see something like that, I'm sure this guy was scared, right? Yeah. And I don't blame him because I think if I would have seen, even if it is an orangutan or it is uh, a bigger primate that escaped or is there- it's completely unexpected. It's, it doesn't belong. It's unexpected. It doesn't belong. And they're dangerous in the wild. They're dangerous in, in general. They probably would have run from him and he had a gun and, you know, he probably could have defended himself, but they're huge. Yeah. Even though they only weigh like 110 pounds, it's still mostly muscle, right? Right. And I think that's what's unique too is being that close when typically, whether you're at a zoo or an exhibit or even watching on television, you don't get a sense of the scale of their size. Most people have not been that close to a primate. Yeah. No. And they can be super scary. Just in general, if you're up that close. Now, Anna, you and I have been to a place. We witnessed this firsthand. Yeah. Which is Silver Springs. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Silver Springs was the filming place of Tarzan. In the 1930s. In the 1930s. And so the production crew brought in a bunch of macaque monkeys. Macaque. Macaque. I think so. They brought in a bunch of, they brought in a bunch of monkeys. Uh Uh-huh. And at the end, they collected the monkeys, but they missed a couple. Mm -hmm. And since then, Silver Springs now has a large population of wild macaque monkeys. Yes. Which I don't is, think they're rhesus monkeys. They can eat one or the other. We'll, we'll have that. Yeah. Anyway, but... there's monkeys in Silver Springs, Florida, who are invasive, but they're not necessarily destructive or anything. It doesn't seem like they've disturbed the wildlife habitat at all. We don't know, but... Well, you know, that. yeah, I'm sure that there are biologists and zoologists who come to study that colony because Floridians are constantly, as you said, having to address invasive species, released species, we could go even into the whole industry of wild exotic animals. Yeah. But I think what you're bringing up is a point that this is was almost 100 years ago that these animals were brought in for that movie. And here they are still living and thriving and breeding. Right. And again, whether someone comes in and controls it or not, but there are 
countless other exotic, invasive, and released animals throughout Florida that have not been tracked and that could also breed. Right. We don't know about. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think in the Joe Exotic thing on Netflix, they talked about how the trade runs through Florida, right? Of the exotic animals, lions. Tiger King? Tiger, yeah, the uh-huh. Tiger King thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think. They talked about that specifically. And I think that the woman he hates, she's in Florida, right? Oh, yeah. Carol. Uh, Carol, Gansels, yeah. yeah. The big cat rescue in Tampa, Florida. Right. Yeah, I don't know if it's still operating, but I've been there. So you met Carol. I did not meet Carol. I met her volunteers, though, because it's a place where you go and they just they make you want to volunteer and then that's how they operate. Yeah, who doesn't want to hang out with a bunch of baby tigers and lions all day? Yes, but what I will say is there's distinct different groups and different licensing and different credentialing that happens, whether you are an animal conservator or mm-hmm. protector or a guardian or rescue or zoo or salesman or I don't know what the word is, like that you trade in the, yeah. in the trade of it. These are all different things. Smuggler. Smuggler. (laughs) There's so, I mean, I'm going to make a reference to Scarface was in South Florida. That fiction movie from the 70s where people have a huge drug trade among drug dealers and or, you know, people who make money in various ways who have big exotic species of animals, especially wild cats, as status symbols. And there's a, a black market in that. And then those animals often get released. So that's part of why we have pythons. But I would wonder if more so than a tiger getting released, that's going to pretty quickly be captured by animal control. I don't know how much could a primate thrive if it was sneaky enough and survived good survival instincts. That's a really good question and a really good segue into this next video that I'm going to show you, Okay, which is basically a bunch of modern day Bigfoot slash skunky ape hunters who live in Florida, in South Florida, and that's what they do with their lives. It's a news crew who follows them into the swamp and They go looking for the skunk ape. Okay. But there is a subplot. (laughs) There's no plots at all because it's it's all real life, but there is a subplot to this that I want you to pay attention to as well. His shirt says gone squatching. Mm -hmm. They gone gone squatching. They gone squatching. But it all started as a kind of therapy. It all broke back through his wife was terminally ill. And we knew she was dying. And the date was eventually going to come. And so I said, when the day comes, you know, you need, you need to stay busy. And at the time, there was a Finding Bigfoot show that was beginning to be more popular. And I said, you know what? I've always wanted to go do an expedition. And I said, hell, why not? I have to do something. If I sit here, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make it. Why couldn't it be a hog or a bear? Well, how do they know they the difference? No. Do they, are these guys who are hunters. not yeah. qualified to identify species, it doesn't, are they, are either of them biologists, zoologists? No. Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. They would have said that. I, right. I'm a biologist. Or animal experts of any. They're in the area. The wildlife just shuts up. Maybe it's them being in the area, walking around, talking right. really loudly. That's they're, another thing that a lot of cryptid not... people are like, that the birds just stop. There's like four people on a camera crew. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, that's where I, I do respect the hunters. As you said, they seem to have a better sense of how to, how to sneak right. around. Also the supposition that no one else has been exploring these woods before. Like, this is what people do who, who yeah. research animals. They've been all over the place. And that is a good segue into the next part, but let's let's finish this real quick. It's not very much longer. Your brain starts playing tricks on you and you start thinking you're seeing what you want to see. There you but go. Instead of Bigfoot, I see something else. Very deadly territorial snake. I was wrong. It was a water moccasin. I was going to say that area looks really wet for yeah. an indigo snake, but 
screen happens. No sign of the apparently shy skunk ape today. One is real, their brotherhood, based on believing. Where's the green swamp of Florida? That was Nightline. Uh, let's look it up. I, it's, I think it's down by Sarasota as well. Okay. I think all this mostly happens down by Sarasota. I don't want to forget to talk about the smell. No, me neither. That's the next thing I was going to bring up. Yeah, it's over by Zephyr Hills. Oh, so that's north of Tampa. Yep, that's in that area. Okay. I live there too. I feel like I should know that. Yep. So Zephyr Hills, the water that you're all drinking, that's Zephyr Hills water. Guess what? It's from Florida. Comes from the Greenswald, Florida. Oh, and you know, Florida man, that's a... That's a thing. Florida man. Um, That's right. Here's a fun thing to do. We should both do it before the episode's over. Search your birthday. And Florida man. And Florida man under the news and see what the uh, headlines are. the Florida man you are. You're Florida man. Yeah, that's your Florida man. Okay, so real quick. But it's not a monolith. It is is three distinct like regions of North Florida, Central Florida, South Florida, and they are distinct in kind of climate. And the keys, <laughs> the, yeah, the keys is like we are on separate place. They're distinct in climate. They're distinct in geography. They're distinct in culture. They're distinct in population. Definitely distinct in like what their major cities are and, and things to do and and nature. So it's a diverse place in many many ways and politically too. You might get an impression that's not so much anymore, but it is. Yeah. I love my home state. There you go. Wild. We love our home state. It's a colorful, lawless swamp. That being said, did you catch the subtext of what was really going on? in that video between those two guys. They love each other. They're dear friends, sure. sensation seekers, and want to go out and play in the woods together. One of the guys, his wife passed away. Yeah. And the other guy was like, we need to get you out of the house. Let's go look for the Florida Swamp Ape. Yeah. And that's what they do. That's why they're so dedicated to it. They're, and they're dedicated to each other. And you know, you saw the guy at the end who was like, you know, the main thing is that he's got my back and I've yeah. got his back and, you know, we're not going to let each other go. That like that kind of thing. Yeah. If we get bitten by a moccasin because we can't tell the difference. <laughs> and this, I was going to ask you, if you were out in the woods in Florida Swamp, what would what animal would you be? Would you actually be most afraid of? Probably a moccasin, a water moccasin. What would you be made most uncomfortable? by alligator all mosquitoes for me but yeah they had the mosquito <laughs> thing on the back the yeah back it'd be yeah. all about preparing to, yeah. to fight mosquitoes nope well good for you and the second thing that we need to talk about is the smell because i think both you and i had the same thought about this which is growing up in central florida when somebody waters their lawn it fucking smells okay like well they're rotten eggs that's not what i thought but we can probably generate quite a few different explanations for they make their own bad smell right because i don't think they make their own bad smell if obviously it's more likely to be a bear a hog or a the animal because the idea of the skunk ape like it has a natural bad smell is the is what the way it's described yeah like it emanates a smell of its own as if it is a skunk right like creature real quick to my point yeah florida for those of you who don't know we're basically either at sea level or below sea level and our aquifers, our, our really shallow aquifers, are full of sulfur. And sulfur smells like rotten eggs. It just does. That's a well-known fact. So in swamps, there are all kinds of outlets for springs. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of shallow spots and aquifers. Mm-hmm. And you might walk into a shallow spot of an aquifer, and it's going to smell like sulfur. And that basically smells like spoiled fish. Yeah. <laughs> so So, yeah. You could just come across a smell. And of course, then once you have that bad smell in your head, what happened to the reporter in this short documentary is going to happen. You're going to like start thinking, oh my God, what's that smell? Must be something bad around here. Yes. Must be something going on. And she said that. She's like, man, even I'm jumpy 
Now I want to see Bigfoot. I want to find the skunk ape. Because it was primed. And yeah. I, and I think if you're remembering something, all of the sensory cues that you had at the time can become tied to other parts of the memory. So it's like, this thing happened to me and okay, what were all the senses that you noticed at the time? It'd be like, whatever smell came up might not be caused by the thing that it causes your memory. Right. It might not even be the thing itself, but you remember it. A bear walks into the room and it's wearing a red ribbon around its neck. The color red might like trigger that memory or it smells like honey, right? Or there's the smell of baking cookies. Yeah. That smell might be associated with the bear. And this is what people like. This is part of why our memory is so fallible and malleable because it's about associations, not causation. Our memory is much more associative than we realize. So the cause piece. I was thinking it might be that I remember we had a dog that came upon a skunk. Oh, yeah. So an animal that interacts with a skunk is going to... It's terrible. It smelled like an electrical fire that someone threw human hair on. Yeah. It smelled so bad. It didn't smell like like when you smell a skunk on the side of the road. Oh, man, that's a skunk. No. Or pot. You know, like skunks smell like pot, like someone smoking pot. Yeah. Right? That's the smell we get. A little bit worse. Up close, real up close, guess what? That's not the smell. No. It's like burning (laughs) tires and fire in here. It's so bad. So... I'm thinking like an animal, especially a non-native species or an introduced species or an animal that's been freed or released or has never been there and doesn't know how to navigate with the territory might come across a skunk and not know what to do and and get sprayed. Yeah. So it's a possibility that, yeah, it does smell like a skunk, but not because it's not, it's not emitting that smell. It also could be a skunk. We got skunks in Florida. Yes. Galore. We do. That's so many skunks, but they don't typically grow to that size. So the evidence. Right. No, I'm just saying like it could be a skunk and then they see this big creature that could be a bear. It could have just been a, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, The smell, it all just gets associated with if there was just a skunk around when it happened. Right. And so that kind of brings us back around that like the skunk ape isn't necessarily any different than Sasquatch or Bigfoot if those things exist. Because like the, the distinctive thing about it is that it stinks. It has a very that's distinctive it. That's smell. That's I mean, everything you're describing. Otherwise, otherwise you it's, said that it's video. Bigfoot. It, well, otherwise it's, yeah, it's six or seven feet oh, tall. Oh, if it's still a cryptid, it's like bipedal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think the unique part about having Florida having a cryptid like this is there are so many animals we've named that it could be. There are so many alternative explanations. It could actually be a primate. You're saying it, you know, it's it's primate like, well, this is an area where a primate could be released and it could thrive. We know that primates, for example, in central Florida are already thriving. So that's pretty well ruled out Yep. as it being impossible for a primate to live there or be introduced. These guys were right when they were like, why not here? Why can't a primate live here? Yeah. Absolutely. They can. And they do. Yeah. Yeah. And as compared to Sasquatch or Bigfoot, with Bigfoot, it's like we have the classic video and picture and the footprint piece, but we don't have a lot about it smells like this. Right. Or it sounds like this. Yeah. There is a swamp ape casting of a mm-hmm. footprint. There is a man in Florida, and I should know his name, but he has started a headquarters for this skunk ape and has like a museum there with all the sightings and castings and everything else What's goes it? out. Should we visit it? A copy. Okay. Well, we'll put it on our field trip list at some point for you guys and share images from there. Uh, and, and on that note of it just being Bigfoot, so there is actually a small group of academics who are studying that phenomena. Yeah, tell me, oh, studying the belief in Bigfoot. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, I'm studying the possibility, the possibility okay. of Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah. And I found an article on it, and I'm just going to give you a brief synopsis of the article because it does better than anything I could do. Here we go. Uh, the article, The Scientific Search 
for Sasquatch with Dr. Jeff Meldrum on Outdoor Hub delves into the work of Dr. Jeff Meldrum, a professor of anatomy and anthropology at Idaho State University and an expert in anatomical sciences. Meldrum's interest in Sasquatch, also known as Bigfoot, Swamp Ape, or Wild Man of the Woods, was sparked at a young age by a film by Roger Patterson depicting a large, hairy, human-like creature. That's the, the Patterson film. That's yeah. the Patterson Thank film. Thank you, I can yeah. remember. This interest led him to study primate evolutionary biology and bipedalism in college. So he literally went on to study these things because of that film. You're so interested in the possibility of a Bigfoot. Meldrum's research took a pivotal turn in 1996 when he visited Walla Walla, Washington, to investigate footprints and find Bugs Bunny. Now, to investigate a footprint cast collected by Paul Freeman. Despite initial skepticism, Meldrum found convincing evidence in the form of 14-inch footprints of a bipedal creature, leading him to further investigate this phenomena. His studies later led him to conclude that the Sasquatch foot displayed a unique combination of primate ape-like features and specializations for bipedalism. While some of his academic colleagues are skeptical, Meldrum's work has gained support from renowned wildlife biologists like Jane Goodall and George B. Schaller. He's also founded a scientific journal, The Relict Humanoid Inquiry, to further explore and validate the existence of Sasquatch. He emphasized the importance of corroborative evidence such as well-documented footprints, hair, scat, and multiple witness accounts in providing the existence of Sasquatch. Mm -hmm. In other words, this dude has a bunch of shit hanging out in bags in his basement. Oh. Mel I don't know if that's true or not. Meldrum's current project, the Falcon Project, involves using a blimp equipped with thermal cameras to survey wild areas for heat signatures that could indicate the presence of Sasquatch. This project aims to gather more concrete evidence of the elusive creature's existence. Anyway, he says everything that was said in that article. Mm -hmm. You have to have corroborative evidence. Yeah. And that's what goes back to my question before of how does a new species get discovered? What was required by the scientific community outside of an actual specimen right i'm guessing that's required yeah it's <laughs> an actual specimen so in that i don't know why i didn't mention it in here because i really wanted to mention it some researchers believe that only three percent past taxonomic diversity of hominids have been discovered in the historical lineage right in the evolutionary charts i i'm just going to post links to this because i love this website the smithsonian has the most amazing evolutionary timeline with all the species mapped out and when they when they emerged and when they died off and including homo sapiens it's really cool to look at and get a sense of deep time and evolution and all the different species because i i think the layperson like myself in this domain thought it was much more linear thought that there was like uh, you know the missing link in the chains in the link when there were all these other yeah. hominids that emerged and then disappeared and then emerged and then disappeared and i think having an understanding of that makes people probably really excited about the possibility of sasquatch like it's so cool that we coexisted with all these other yeah humanoids hominids all the you know and that, that we just carried on. And so it, it's not impossible there because there was a time in human history right. when there were other species like us mm -hmm. that didn't make it. And then that all that remained were us and the primates that we have now. Yeah. So it, it's it's cool, as we've talked about with so many things in the paranormal universe, as the idea is very cool. And I love the, I'm more interested in the actual <laughs> reputable scientific community and how they do their jobs. Right. Because, again, I think this discredits the people who spend their entire professional lives understanding how we discover species. And well, that's what species. this guy's doing. Yeah. 
He is spending his life yeah. doing that. He's focusing specifically yeah. on primates that might be somewhere between us and whatever we are. What are we the closest to chimpanzees? I think so. Yeah. Us and discovering if there is a missing link that's still alive today. Yeah. That doesn't sound as far-fetched as there's a Sasquatch or there's a skunk ape out there, but it's the exact same thing. Well, it would have to be because yeah. it's here today. Now, I mean, how, the question would be how related is it? Is it more related to us than, than a chimpanzee right. or less? And that would be evidence of a missing link. Yeah. Right. But this is where I get really confused about the areas of the earth where we survive as humans, right? We can't really very naturally survive in Antarctica, for example. Right. Like we know what- There's a bar like, down there, but yeah. <laughs> for now there is, yeah. But if you look up any animal online, you're going to see where does it live? Like what kind of climate does it need? What kind of environment? What kind of, what does it eat? How does it thrive? And when a species is thriving, it mates, right? Mm -hmm. And it grows. And when people discover new species, they're often in places that aren't environments that humans share, right? Yep. <laughs> the species that is supposed to be so close to us in the chain, you would think would have similar needs and similar environments. And I don't know, this is just a very lay question of how come there aren't more of them and how come they're not easy, easier to find? Why do they hide? What is maybe that the about way them? that they survived? Other primates don't hide like they do. Other right. primates colonize. But maybe the way that they survived the evolution, the next evolution of Homo sapiens is that they were able to hide from us. They, they were more elusive. They were able to become more solitary. Yeah. And that is a huge red flag. That's a that's a big gap for me because they wouldn't they primates, we are social creatures. Sure. We are. Human. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We are. And to my understanding, every other primate that has that remains yeah. is a social creature. Sure. Colonizes in mass yep. numbers for their safety. Mm -hmm. And so if they deviated from that so much, how are they the missing link? Wouldn't they be something completely different? Right. Maybe they are something completely different. Yeah. My point is is that why that then that kind of answers all your questions. Why are they solitary? How have they eluded us for so long? Because they do, and that's how they have survived that's, for so long. Yeah, but it still doesn't, your species doesn't survive if you decrease in numbers and you change your- We don't know if they're decreasing in numbers or not. We, just, we just, with the idea being they're very, very good at hiding. I don't know about that because yeah. <laughs> some people have caught them on camera now, but maybe the point that we are catching them on camera more and more has to do with the fact that there's more and more of yeah. them. Oh, and then what I've always heard about from Crypt about the maybe this is where we leave us because it ends unless you had other pieces you want to talk. About. No, it is the end of life. One of the biggest criticisms of the cryptid paranormal sciences is they don't just leave droppings. You know, they die and they leave their. So archaeologists were able to discover all these species of dinosaurs because of their remains. Sure. And if there are species that are actually currently living, they would also leave remains. Would it? Are they really, really good at burying their dead? Are they? They really, might be good really at burning good at, them. They might be good at. They might. You're right. So their tools could be a. Okay. I'm just saying. I think this is one of the more believable paranormal things. Because of their potential similarities to us. Because right. they could use tools. Because they could hide from us. Yep. What if they're even yeah. living among us, but sometimes they just like to go out. They know how to disguise themselves so well that they're just living among us for the most part. But then sometimes they like to go out and be wild. And what if they actually look well? Shed their if, skin. What if we don't even know so if they speak. actually are lizards? And they, they could look be like lizard, lizard people. people. Yeah. Now we're back to lizard people. Okay, that was a large leap uh -huh. from what I was saying, but sure. What if they're shapeshifters? What if they are shapeshifters? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't say that. I just said they're good at disguises. They're good at so you're at Harry and the Hendersons like in his trench yeah. coat and big hat. Yeah. Yeah. Or Earth Girls are easy. They yeah. just shave every once in a while. They just shave. They shave their entire bodies every once in a while. I yeah. love it. Yeah. It's, that's. But why would they want to be among us? Because they need to hide from us. So what's the best way to hide from us? Hide within our ranks. 
Uh, That's what the lizard people do, Anna. Uh-huh. We need to do a lizard people episode. Um, we sure do. We because I am sounding crazy right now, but yeah. I, I don't know. I don't think that there are lizard people. We'll get into that when we do the lizard people thing. But this is something that I feel like based, not just me, but other academics feel like this is a possibility. Yeah. And it's a possibility because it has happened within human history before. Of a species thriving of, that we don't even yep. know about. Yeah. Oh, a species thriving that we don't even know we about. Specifically a species that's similar to us thriving that we don't even know about. The discovery of new primates yeah. that we didn't. Yeah, I, uh, yep, I can get yeah, on We live together with Neanderthals, yeah. right? We yeah. live together with uh, all kinds of other species of, is it like Homo erectus? Mm-hmm. I don't know, we are, are we Homo erectus? I don't remember. I think anything We're that walks on two legs is Homo erectus. Yeah, that's a broad right? category. Yeah, we lived with other Eight. species or with other groups within Homo erectus before. Yeah. So why not, why can't we still be living among them? Are they living among us now? And you're like, why would they choose to live in the, well, uh, I don't know, because cities stink. Because suburbs are boring. They don't like Jimmy John's. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, they would rather eat an alligator. Uh-huh. And we eat alligator too, right? We have alligator tail here. People do, yeah, in case you didn't know. People, people do. eat alligator. It tastes like chicken. Up. It tastes like fishy chicken. Yeah. Which I know sounds gross, but if you deep fry it, it tastes pretty good. It's like You can deep fry anything and it tastes... That's true. It tastes like frog legs. I actually, I think, yeah. that, I think that frog legs and alligator taste incredibly similar. Okay, so anyway, all of that being said, yeah, I do you believe to remain open-minded. Do you believe in the Florida? Do I believe? Oh, that that B word, That's yeah, a big B word. I know. Because... I've said it a couple times tonight. Yeah, I'm okay with it. <laughs> we don't have to say whether we believe in things or not. That's not what this is about. This is just about presenting possible, you know, evidence on both sides where we say, hey, these people have seen this. This is what it could be. It also could be that that thing exists, right? Yeah. But what's more likely? It's right. a question of empirical evidence. Sure. And and I think we've kind of answered already what's more likely that there is a similar species hiding and multiplying and thriving under our very noses within swamps and forests? Or did some rich asshole buy an orangutan because he thought it would be cool to have mm-hmm. and then it killed his dog? Mm-hmm. And then he went and he drove out into the Florida Everglades and let it go. That sounds quite believable. <laughs> I will leave it at that. Being a Floridian myself. Yeah, I'll go back to based on all the evidence you presented to me tonight, uh, there appears to be an insufficient quantity of paranormal explanations that could not better otherwise be explained by the mundane. And the mundane in Florida as I think we're pointing out, is still pretty unusual. Oh, yeah. It's like, I mean, I think I read some things, especially if you do the Florida man thing, you think it's fake. It's not. Let's end that way. Look up my Florida man. Okay. Wait, do you have to do like the year two or just the day? you do. You know my birthday. I do. Please read the first headline. Here is Anna's Florida man. Meth-smoking Florida man attacks mattress in jealous rage. (laughs) Okay. That's great. Can I read yours? Yeah. Florida man sets fire to car belonging to ex-girlfriend who also happens to be his cousin, police say. Hmm. That's not too far-fetched. Mm-hmm. That kind of goes along with uh, everything. But yours is great. Florida, there's just so many. You, yeah. There are multiple on your birthday. Florida man accused of exposing himself claims he needed to air out. Deputies say. It's hot in Florida. It's really hot. And swampy. I get it. <laughs> Just don't do it in front of a bunch of people. Go inside. Yeah. Where there's air conditioning. I'll read one more because I think it ties to our case. 
61-year-old Florida man arrested after posing as a veterinarian and operating an animal practice. Aww. Yeah. Well, this well, is what we're talking okay. about, people. Animals down here. So it's This much is what we're likely. talking about, people. Swapping. <laughs> Crazy men who say that they're, who claim to be veterinarians. Yeah. Yeah. It all connects. Yeah. The mundane is pretty unusual. It is. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. And again, take a look at our Instagram. Mon is working hard on it. Paranormal. <laughs> Hardly working on it. I'll get there. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's paranormal.outsiders is our handle there. Also, if you have any stories or any comments, please feel free to, first of all, leave them on YouTube because Google Podcast is shutting down and we're now on YouTube. Uh-huh. Or shoot us an email at stories at paranormaloutsiders.com and we'll get back to you. Yeah. You can also comment on our Instagram and I'll, I'll probably see it. There you go. Slide into our DMs. We'll get them. We'll get them. Yeah. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Bye. Bye.